0: This is the Live State of Mind Podcast. I am your host, Dale Lively, here to talk a little bit about episode three, the origin of Live Training Center. I took a little different format and approach with this third episode. It's actually a solo project, giving a little insight into the origin of Live Training Center and a little bit about my life personally. And I hope you guys are blessed by it. I hope you're inspired by it. Uh, I hope it's something that you can uh, hear and Recognize that despite what goes on in your life, like you can still accomplish a lot. So this is episode three. It, it's a little; it's not quite as lighthearted as episode one and two. So you may, if you were planning on having small children listen to it, you may want to think about just screening it first, just to make sure it's appropriate for them. Um, but it's my story and my life, and I'm really enjoying all the feedback from our podcast and. We will be back towards our normal format on episode four, talking a little bit more about you know tactical, practical things, uh, racing, and maybe keep it a little bit lighthearted. But this is the origin, this is the story, and I think it's important. So here it is, episode three. I hope you guys enjoy it. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Lift off. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of the Live State of Mind podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Dale Lively, or as I'm affectionately known as Coach Dale, um, here at Live Training Center. If you don't know, I know we haven't really talked a lot about this, but uh, we actually are based out of a training facility uh, in Palmetto, Florida, which is near Bradenton. It's about 20 minutes north of Sarasota. Uh, but it's, it's where this whole project is actually based out of. And we uh, do a lot of really, really cool things here. More importantly than anything, though, is we help individuals find their uh, capabilities, help them find a new, healthier way of life. So if we had to sum up, what, what's the core reason? If someone said, Dale, why do you do what you do? Or what, what is the whole reason? What is your why? And I would probably tell them, uh, it is to help individuals find the healthiest versions of themselves, and uh, if they ask, then you know what what is it about doing that? Why does that really stoke your fire? Like, what is it really about? Um, and I would probably you know talk to them a little bit about my story and and the the basis for all of it. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the last two episodes. They were actually uh, with my good friend jason williams uh he's a great o c r athlete he's a he's a great ambassador for uh, not only the sport of obstacle course racing but also live training center. Cool dude also loved rapping with him and talking racing and running and mindset and Uh, I think it was super enjoyable, and I hope you guys got a kick out of it and got some good information out of it. And actually, this is the first episode where I am completely solo sitting in my office right now staring at my chalkboard with all the stream of consciousness uh, notes on it that I have up there. Um, Do you guys have a chalkboard? Like, uh, Is that something that everybody does? I don't know. Um, it's, it's something that I actually started doing, uh, well, I had it put in a couple of months ago, but I had a, uh, a basic one that I had set that was always too small and I felt like it was a era- I I was erasing it like all the time. And I found since I had to erase it, I was super lazy. I didn't want to erase it. So then I would just leave like static notes from three months ago and it really wouldn't get a whole lot of use. So, um, uh, we redid our office recently and I had them put in this Amazing uh, chalk paint. It's basically the entire size of a wall, which the wall in front of me is probably eight or nine feet tall by about seven or eight feet wide. So there's a lot of space. And I think it's a good way for me to be productive. I think it's a good way for me to get stuff that's in my head out. Um, I am, I'm definitely an introvert typically by trade. I keep a lot of things locked in the head. Um, as much as I give off and as much as I give uh, in this role, which some may find that crazy to hear that I am an introvert because I'm so what seems like out of the box when I'm on the floor and when I'm helping other people. But there's a lot of stuff going upstairs. And I think if you talk to any business owner or entrepreneur or anyone that's creative, it's, it's always moving. It's always going. Uh, and so it's always a great thing for me. Sometimes I can kind of quiet it the mind and I can, once I start getting things out on paper or in this case on a chalkboard. And uh, so it's been a huge, huge help for me Uh, when I have clients, when I have things that seem a little convoluted in my head and things are kind of wishy-washy, it's always easy for me to throw them up on the chalkboard and I feel so much better. Or here's something, if we have like a big event coming up Recently, we had a women's night, and then we also had a uh, where where we actually it was a night to just kind of break that down. Sometimes I forget, like we're actually speaking to not everyone understands what we do here. We have a seventy five hundred square foot facility. It's called Live Training Center, and we have a number of different ways that we can help people uh, become the healthiest version of themselves and help people uh, become. Healthy and be and reach capabilities and understand how to build confidence and start to recognize that you know we are capable of a lot more than we give ourselves credit for, and we do that through exercise, we do that through mindset, uh, we do that through coaching, we do that through you know learning how to put the right things into our body uh, via you know nutrition and and specifics in regards to nutrients and amounts and accountability um, and we even start that at a young age not so much the nutrition part but just you know recognizing health and wellness and that it has to it doesn't have to be you know a, a pain in the butt it can be painful at times but it, it has to be fun right like it has to be something that you enjoy doing if you want to do it from a sustainable you know standpoint but in any case, I digress so, But we have a facility here, and a community is such a big deal. If you're in a facility or a training facility or you're in a gym and you don't feel like you're part of something, first off, the chances of you doing it for any decent amount of time, especially if you're a social person, um, is probably pretty limited. I spoke on episode two about the differences between – you know, ideology and philosophies regarding fitness and communities and, uh, you know, having things provided for you. And I've used the analogy of like a restaurant versus, um, you know, uh, just different types of restaurants. Like, do you want to walk into a restaurant and have to prepare things for yourself and sit by yourself? Or do you want to show up with all of your friends and sit at a table and have chefs bring you food that's been properly prepared? I want the second, number one, because I suck at cooking, but number two, because there's people involved and community is such a big aspect. So, you know, we do have quite a few private training clients, but a a majority of our clients come for the community and that's a big part of it. So any opportunity that we have to actually, you know, bring more value to that community or to highlight aspects of that community, we believe, um, you know, life happens in the context of relationships, and the, the healthier our relationships can be and the more relationships we have that are healthy um, the better life that we live and that's a relationship with ourselves, relationship with god and relationship with others and we like to to try and create an environment that's conducive to healthy relationships with one another and so we have events uh recently we had one it was called women's night right so it was a night where all the women at our facility could come together and even some that weren't part of our facility could come together and uh, we created a specific workout on our training room floor uh, that was designed for women by women it was 45 minutes there was about 60 or 70 women that came together and they got after it uh, for about 45 or 50 minutes and we fed everyone and then we had some speakers I mean it was super cool but when when we you can tell i love rabbit trails when we when i'm preparing something like that using a chalkboard and writing things down and being able to see things uh visually for me is a big uh, big part of being productive and i think that's true for anyone so if you don't have a chalkboard already or you don't have some way to put notes and to put thoughts down on paper i mean that's a that's a big one. One because sometimes the thoughts that we don't get out or the strictly speaking from a creative standpoint, like if I want to be creative and I want to I want it to flow, right? Creativity is about creating new. Um, we have to get things out of the way. So I use lists, I also use chalkboards and things of that nature just to try and free up space and free up bandwidth so that I can get some new, New thoughts in there when we're working on creating. So, having a chalkboard like that is is awesome. We had a women's night recently. We also had a uh, a kid ninja uh, ninja warrior is also one of the things that we do. And we had a, a local school come and we held a a mother son event where the mothers and the children kind of work together. It's kind of like a daddy daughter dance, but it's the opposite, right? And that was the, the roots of the program. It was, it was uh, about bringing mothers and sons together. And we had about 120 people in our facility uh, last week. And it was amazing. And it was an opportunity to bring families together, again, creating healthy relationships, but also showing the son that, you know, the mom is, it's still important for her to get healthy. And, you know, the mom is able to come and enjoy uh, running around on our facility with the son. So um but everything that we do we love to have fun and we love to to have a blast and we love to be challenged and we love community but it has to be a good time and i think that's what keeps one of the reasons why people continue to come to our facility um it it, i didn't always if someone said well what's what's your story you must have been an athlete your entire life i would say well growing up i definitely was into sports um i was i'm only five eight so you know being center on the basketball team probably wasn't in the cards but you know as far as sports go playing golf i love playing golf so i remember getting cut from my jv team uh basketball team and then you know i don't know if it was my parents or if it was friends like started to see that golf was something that didn't require like it being super tall or in some cases even being athletic at least to start it um, so that's where i started and i played and i played high school golf got pretty good and uh and then i don't know maybe junior or senior it was actually senior year of high school my life as a whole started to change a little bit um i grew up actually in a in, in a Christian family, went to church, and uh, was at a private school for most of my life. And then my senior year, went to a public school. I remember begging my dad and my mom, like, I just want to go to public school. And In part, it was to play golf, and in part, it was to to you know be able to have more opportunities. Um, I'm really, really grateful. As big of a culture shock as it was going to a public school, uh, and, and I mean... At the private school, you had to stay six inches from the opposite sex. And you had to wear a shirt and tie on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, you know, it was very... There was a lot of things... If if someone from public school looked at it as a private school and looked at the differences, they would probably say, man, that is ridiculously strict. And I guess it was. Being a dad now, um, I do appreciate it differently than when I was just a son, right? Because now I have... I have children to think about and you want your children to grow up in a certain way so it's it's crazy this life thing and how it kind of spins but in any case so I remember going to public school and having this big culture shock and I started doing things my senior year of high school that I would never have done going to a private school so imagine 11 years 5'8 not super athletic played some golf though uh, played a little bit of baseball a little bit of football and pop warner you know and and the height wasn't such a big deal. But then growing up, I started playing golf, go to a public school. And then it was just, you know, things started to change a little more, my priorities started to change a little more. I was always relatively a A A and B student. And I think I continued that at public school. But I started doing things socially that I never would have done. And, you know, I just want to touch on this a little bit. And I hope that it And I just want to preface the rest of this actually by saying I just hope this story as a whole in my life, I I really feel like going through what you go through is, I don't know, I think once you get to the other side of any type of struggle in life, you actually can take your struggles and you can take your story and you can use it and, and share it and help other people who are going through either similar situations or situations that, people may be struggling with that may be completely different but just the fact of seeing and hearing about someone getting through it I think there's a lot to be said for that and that's when your story and what feels like a massive liability is actually a massive asset and uh, so in any case started doing things socially um, started taking things into my body that weren't appropriate and weren't healthy and weren't didn't really line up with who I was Uh, you know for the other 11 years of schooling and uh, that took me down a road for about seven or eight years where I was really doing some things that I had no business doing and uh, putting things into my body that I had no business doing obviously the complete opposite direction uh, from where I am today but it's for me and and having been now on this side of it can look back in hindsight and kind of recognize, you know, some of the things that I was trying to feed and trying to find purpose and trying to find really direction with my life and maybe upset that I, you know, wasn't didn't feel like college was for me and didn't really have like a point uh, where I could say, hey, okay, this is what I ultimately I know that I know that I know. That this is what I want to do with the rest of my life, and I think just that misdirection as a whole, plus other things that had happened to me growing up, it was, it was something that you know placed me around some of the wrong people, and doing a lot of the wrong things, um, and uh, again putting a lot of the wrong things into my body, uh, in amounts that were conducive to being <laughs> well i'll just say it like you know addicted to to certain substances and it's not really important what substances i think what's important is that y- you go through it and you start to see how these behaviors and how these activities can lead to your ultimate demise and uh, how it, it you never start off doing something thinking that oh man, like I want to, you know, ultimately end up in a treatment facility. That's not, it's about partying. It's about finding relief. It's about, you know, having pain and and trying to find a way to cope with it and trying to understand emotions and, you know, trying to understand that what your self-worth is and where are you getting your value from? And are you, are you, you know, thinking and comparing yourself to others and, you know, how are you dealing with the perspectives of how you grew up or how are you dealing with your perspective about life in general and, and what your purpose is and where are you getting your worth from and your identity? So I think all of that played a big role, plus just making stupid decisions, you know? So I spent from 2001, I would say probably up until 2008, 9, and 10, um, doing a lot of really, really stupid stuff and, uh, things that, uh, would just almost like the complete opposite. It literally feels like a different lifetime at this stage in my life, but I'm able to look at it and I'm able to see God in every moment because through all of the situations where I should either be dead or in jail, like God was there knowing that, it, it, there was a bigger story and there was a bigger plan. And through that process, now on the other side, having learned so much about myself and just life in general and um, you know what it is that I feel like my purpose is, I'm in a position now where I'm able to have context and perspective. And I would say that that was a major part of why I do what I do today understanding the struggle understanding that things are difficult understanding compulsive behavior understanding not feeling like you have control over something uh, understanding that if you're in a specific position and you feel stuck like what that feels like as a whole and and how important people are and I think that's probably where the healthy relationships in the community and the importance of community, um, came from, uh, in 2010, uh, it was October 25th, 2010, never forget it. Um, I was basically put into a treatment facility program. It was in the middle of the state and I was there for almost 18 months and you know there are some people that would say why are you even talking about this like what does this have to do with health wellness like how is this how is this going to help people as a whole like this a aren't you embarrassed by this i i i really don't look at it like that if you know me um i i feel like i try to be as transparent as possible there are things i have my group of guys you know i have my wife obviously we have a separate relationship but as a whole Like, our scars tell stories, and our scars are here to, once you get through it, and once God shows up in your life in certain ways, how can you not talk about that? Like, that made me who I am. And those struggles allow me to relate with people. Sitting across from someone who may be struggling with their weight, or sitting across from someone who's struggling with an exercise or some trauma in their life, like, the perspective and the context that that gives me is... That's a value to me that does not feel like a liability. And being able to share and have that person look back at me and say, man, like he understands, he gets it. Like talk about purpose. Like I feel that empowers me. That does not feel like a liability to me. So if you have a story and if you have something that God has done in your life, share it, man, because you don't know who needs to hear it. There could be someone that you run into at work all the time. I mean, there was a time when I got in this business, and I'm going to go back to where I was, 2010, but I can remember getting in this business, and I was in it for a year maybe before I really, before God really started working on my heart and saying like, hey, uh, maybe start to share this with people. And it was so funny because I felt like the minute that I did that, It released it all. So this thing that I was worried about, this thing that I was, I don't want to say ashamed of, but anytime you're running a business, anytime that you are, you know, doing anything worthwhile, especially if you're in the public eye, you start to think about like, what, how how does this affect things? Like, what kind of narrative is this? You know, what will people think about this, that, or the other? And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what, like, that's my story. That's me, you know, so how many people you know could be positively affected? How many people are going through it right now, so especially in our county, we're in Manatee, Florida, and there's always been a pretty big epidemic, especially in the last five or six years, uh regarding opioids, and uh that's something that grows all the time and uh in Florida, I know there was a really, really big epidemic with pill mills and there was a really big epidemic then once they started shutting those down started to find that you know other street drugs were actually a little bit cheaper and easier to get so um then it's it's spiraled from there so it's always going to be an epidemic but in any case i can remember being transparent with my story and just what i felt like the doors that opened up from that it was it was pretty remarkable and even to this day I have people or I have mothers or I have parents or I have uncles, I have brothers, I have people that come up to me that say I you know, I have this person and this is going on and I know about your story and and you know what is it I I don't know. To feel like, you know, is this do I feel like I'm taking a chance? I I guess right now, but ultimately it's who I am and it's what I'm about. And when you're on this side of it, uh, it it becomes an asset because you want to be able to help people as much as possible. And this is a great way for me to be able to do that and to also share about like what God has done in my life. So it's always, I felt like it's been an asset. And that's God. To me, that's God, is taking what you believe to be your greatest liability and turning it into your greatest strength. And part of the reason that happens is, is because it's something you can't do on your own so you need him and when he gets involved great things happen so your greatest liability could turn into your greatest asset on the other side of healing man whoo that's good stuff Ooh, so 2010 i can remember going and uh family obviously getting involved at this point and they were worried about my health and they were worried about my life and you know is this someone who had such a bright future and someone who was athletic even if it was golf i was a pretty good golfer by the way i mean let's 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 keep make it clear i went to districts a couple or actually one time i only went one time uh but it was you know it was a I fun thing i was probably uh six or seven handicap maybe you know uh, which I still like to go out occasionally, but I feel like it's got a different place in my life. Golf now, it feels different uh, than it used to, which isn't a bad thing. I think it just changes as we get older and you start having different priorities. So uh, still gets as frustrating as possible, it seems like, <laughs> being out there. I think it's because you have like this thing in your head where you you know how you should play based on how you've played in the past, But it's one of those games that requires an investment and time. So in any case, 2010, uh, go to a facility. I was there for 18 months. And being there radically changed my life. Um, And I talk about it occasionally with people. But the thing that I would say that Maybe could put into context addiction and alcoholism, and I get asked about it occasionally. And again, this is one man's points of view, and there are many ways to skin a cat if you've ever heard that. There's some people who get uh, clean this way or that way, some people use AA, some people, you know, find God in a cell, some people find God on their own at home. I believe that you could get clean in many different types of ways for me going to a faith-based treatment facility aligned more with who I was prior to this whole life taking, taking shape. So, uh, that's where I ended up. And I think it was by the grace of God. And, um, I think the major turning point for me is when, and this may be hard to understand unless you've gone through it, but for anyone that's listening that maybe has a, a friend or an uncle or a brother or a sister or a cousin or a coworker that's going through it um, and it has an issue is I started to realize that my issue had nothing to do with alcohol or drugs, and that was crazy because going into a facility like that, you expect that you are physically addicted to something so that's you're 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 there because you can't put something down and you'll cheat for it and you'll steal for it and you'll 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 any any set of values that you had prior to it it turns you into a different person it turns you into someone that you know has no regard for anyone in any case you start to recognize that The problem isn't the drug or the alcohol. The problem is, number one, your relationship with it. But the problem is is learning how to deal with emotions and traumas and things that you've gone through. So the real problem has nothing to do with drugs, right? It has to do with perspective or self-worth or identity or just emotions and not understanding how to cope. Because at the end of the day, what we're given, yes, is abstinence from the drug or the alcohol. But one major part of that is learning how to deal with emotions and understanding emotions and understand traumas and understand identity and purpose and, you know, seeing all of these things so that we're not acting in a compulsive manner. And that was an eye opener. And that took me. Six to eight months of being there before I even realized that, like, whoa, 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 like the drugs aren't the problem. I'm the problem. My thinking is the problem. It's called in the AA and NA rooms. It's called stinking thinking, and it's it's just that that really crappy spot that you get into, which will then lead you to drinking or drugging, and that that was an interesting revelation for me because I started to recognize that. I got a me problem like I have a I have a serious relationship problem. I do have a me problem. I'm I'm a people pleaser by nature. Um, I probably have a lot of codependency and you know, because of all of those things and my emotions and anything else that I had gone through, I, you know, I found myself using something to cope with the emotions and the pain of all of it. And that is, I think, the revelation that a lot of people come to, and most people should, on the other side of any type of addiction or alcoholism. Um, So you have a you problem, and you have a perspective problem, and you have hurts that need to be healed, and you have traumas that need to be addressed, and there's a healing that needs to be taken place. And again, there are many different ways to go about recovery, but for me, it was improving my relationship with god and allowing him to shine a light in the dark places and the staff at the facility that i went to is amazing and you know now being on this side that was 2010 and it's 2020 my goodness i celebrate 10 years this year which i'm super excited i'm gonna clap that's a monster deal and that's a that's a god thing by the way that's not a pat dale on the back thing that's a god thing and that's a community thing and that's a that's a people thing, and that is a um, people, places, and things thing. Uh, and uh, so, but, but uh, having people that have been through the same situation and can take you and show you a way out, because when you get there, you don't feel like you have a way out. For me, I'll be completely honest. Like, I felt a relief when I was there, and that sounds crazy because you're going, Well, I'm in treatment. It, I, I didn't have to worry. Like, I didn't have to figure out where I was going to get this, that, or the other from anymore. I could just be. And I think that's one thing that it takes for a lot of people. is just to get to a position where you can start focusing on you. And that's why an inpatient facility for a lot of people works. Because, you know, let's say you're married and you're in the midst of a full-out addiction, right? Well, first you have to realize that your behavior is creating a battleground at your house. If you're in a real true addiction, there is some serious stuff going on at your house. And I don't mean f- physically necessarily. I just mean the the dynamics of the relationship are one that especially if you have kids or you have you know you're a son or a daughter living at your house, like the rest of your family is having to figure out how to cope with you. And there's this whole dynamic shift that goes on, and what you start to realize is is the way the dynamics work is that the addict is usually addicted to the drink or the drug, and then the other family members, sometimes not always, are you know almost have this attachment to the addict themselves because of the position that the addict or the alcoholic has put them in. There's all of these new defense mechanisms and there's all of these uh, these new behaviors that have to take place because of what you know that addict or alcoholic is putting you in i mean there's obviously lying there's cheating there's manipulating there is starting a fight so that you can leave so you can go do your thing there is having to check bank accounts and and accusing someone of something just so they you know you're doing it it's like there's all of this crazy stuff so it's, it's really hard for someone who is you know, trying to get clean, so to speak, and they're at their house and not in an inpatient facility because it's like you're trying to do a ceasefire at a war, but you're doing it in the middle of the battleground, and emotions are very raw. So you know, that's one thing. Like, I understand jobs, and I understand being in the position I was 27, And I didn't have a career going. I had odd jobs that I did. And it was, I didn't have a family. I didn't have any kids, thank God. So that those kind of thoughts didn't have to come into play. Uh, But the fact that I was able to, through sacrifices of my family, by the way, like, I don't know where I would be. But in any case, I was able to go to a facility and not be around the same people that I was either using with I was not in a job environment. I didn't have a lot of stressors. So that was a huge, huge, outside of the fact of, you know, just focusing on me and working on making amends and working on uh, just getting healing in areas that I knew I needed to get healing in. So that was my focus. So if you have an opportunity, don't look at it as a as as a, and I know if you're in the middle of an addiction right now please understand there is hope like please understand that you do have a way out so you know contact even if it's a free there are free facilities if it's a money thing you know you can try to get a hold of me i mean whatever it is like you know and we can we can work on finding something for you but reach out because there is absolutely hope no matter where you're at um But going through that process for me was very eye-opening. I started to understand what a boundary was. Wow, that was a big deal for me. Um, You don't have to be treated like crap. And that's, for some reason, that was hard because I almost felt like in every relationship I was more concerned with the other person's feelings than I was my own, even to a fault. Very common for addicts and alcoholics. Here's a, a parallel, though very common for people who are trying to make major changes in life you start to recognize how much that you do based on the fact that you don't want to let other people down or what will other people think that is not the way that we should be making decisions now if you're going to hurt someone and you're going oh this is going to hurt that person that's different but if you're saying i'm trying to better myself by stopping this or starting this and if this person, you know, takes it the wrong way, or if I'm not able to see them or hang out with them, then, you know, I don't want to do that because I'm for fear of, you know, how they will be affected. That's, that's something that that I would, hopefully, say, think about that for a little while and recognize that you're important. You your your feelings are important. Your emotions are important. Your well-being is important. Don't continue to do something just because someone else wants you to do it. Here's another one. Don't continue to put yourself in a situation where you are knowingly leaving in a bad, in a worse position than when you got there. If you are emotionally torn or you're emotionally affected negatively by a situation, and I do not care who it is, it's okay to set a boundary. That was very, very hard for me, very hard for me to understand. And I would say that was one of the major parts of my recovery was me getting to a position to say, hey, listen, man, if you don't know how to set boundaries, you are literally vulnerable to every person that you come in contact with, right? And hurt people hurt people. And so when I was hurt, you know, I would actively hurt other people and vice versa. So if someone is treating you poorly or someone is treating you the wrong way, number one, it probably has nothing to do with you. It probably has everything to do with whatever they have going on. But number two, it's our, I don't want to say responsibility, but for your own health, it is. And the health of your family, it's your responsibility to set, and it's okay to do that, to set a boundary because you matter. So whoever needs to hear that right now, like you matter your emotions matter your feelings matter so you know think about that going through that program for me was a big part of it 2010 stayed there for about 12 months as a client wanted to transition out um, but I didn't want to do it too soon I didn't have a you know a rush to get back to if I could have stayed there longer maybe I would have because I looked at it as a short-term investment even though it was 18 months I was trying to look at it in the context of my entire life and if there, you know if if i could be surrounded by all the right people it was like my safety net it was around all if i you know i would start working at one point and if i had a bad day at work i could come and actually talk about it and get things off of my chest so you learn i was going to meetings at that time we were in church like i was I had the opportunity to stay on for six months to try and help some of the new people that were coming in. I met some of my best friends. I met some of the most amazing people that I still talk to today, but I got to see it from both sides, partly as a client and then also from the perspective as a coach uh, or as as a coach as I don't want to say as a counselor because i I think that 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 requires a certain level of criteria. however, I will say experience is valuable and the fact that i went through that process you can here's the best line right and this goes to for anything you can only keep what you have by giving it away that's a classic aa and na cliche is and what it means is like it, it as crazy as it sounds if at some point you should be helping other people just like someone helped you but by helping them you're actually feeding your own soul and you're feeding your own, you know, recovery in some cases. And what's cool is that I see that today. Um, and, and where this is going to shift is when it all starts to parallel what we do today. So I hope this isn't boring you too much, but I just thought it was interesting. And I, I, I thought it was important to share and hopefully, you know, encourage some people out there. Number one, if you're going through anything, there definitely is a way out, whatever it is, you know, um, So seeing it from both sides, being able to, to get the healing and go through that process, but then also be able to pour into new people that were coming in that were in the same position. So I stayed there a total of 18 months and here's when everything changed for me. Like Dale, what does this have to do with live training center? Well, here's what I started to recognize. I was there and some of you have seen this picture, but you may not have known the story behind it. I was there at 230 pounds maybe? I know, two hundred and thirty. Right now I average between one hundred seventy three and one hundred seventy six. I've been as low as one hundred sixty seven, maybe. Maybe ten and a half, eleven percent body fat, but who's counting? Me? <laughs> Just kidding. But in any case, the two hundred and thirty pounds, and I felt like I had gone through a good amount of healing it doesn't mean you're complete it doesn't mean your goal is whole i just literally that was actually pretty good your goal is to be whole but that is a that's a journey that's not a destination at least it's not for me like it's a it's a work in progress always and um that was always the goal, and I can remember starting to feel better emotionally, my face starting to change, I started to eat everything in sight because it took the place of what I used to put into my body, so I can remember at about 15, I would say maybe 12 to 13 months being there, I started to look in the mirror and recognize, now remember, and I never told you guys this, but at in high school? You're talking about five, seven, five, eight, maybe a 140 pounds, 150 pounds. So it, there was a big change from where I was in high school growing up, had all these crazy debauchery years from 2001 to 2010. And during that time, I you know I actually got up to 230. and those are the pictures that I usually post on some of my befores and maybe I'll share them in the comments somehow or somehow attach it to this on social media or something when this releases in the next couple days but it i recognized that as much healing as i had gotten and as emotionally as 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 good as i felt emotionally what was happening was my physical appearance was making me feel a certain type of way like i would look in the mirror And I could tell that I was affected emotionally because of I wasn't happy with what I saw. And I started to recognize that the healing that I feel like had took place mentally, emotionally, uh, relationally, did not match my physical appearance. And I wanted my physical appearance and my outward appearance to match the healing that had taken place that God had done in my life. And that's what started it, which was 2011. I started to, at the time, we had a little facility that I was at. And I'm talking about a treatment facility, not a gym. Uh, we did not have a gym. We had nothing. I, we ended up getting, I think, donated P90X DVDs, if you guys have seen any of those. Uh, it's like high-intensity training. We don't need a whole lot of equipment, and I can remember doing them two or three times a week. And that was all that we had. So, you know, once I graduated the program, we actually went and I started getting a job. Hardest job I've ever had, mind you. It was working in a plant nursery and still to this day, some of the hardest work that I've ever done in some of those greenhouses. But I would go to work, come home, and do P90X for a while. And that was working for a while. I started to see some of the weight coming off. I had zero knowledge about anything. Zero. None. None. I just knew what little that I had had over the years. You know, you hear things from coaches. You hear you got a lot of bro science. You got stuff from friends. Like, you're just, it's like whatever. So you're just kind of piecemealing it together. And not to mention I had Tony Horton, right? So just press play. That's what he he used to say, just press play. So that's what we used to do, just press play. Um, And so started doing that for a little while. Started to see some improvement, but it really wasn't. To the degree that I wanted it, but it was a journey So I started the journey then and I started scratching that itch and I started to as I started to change Even though maybe I only lost like 10 pounds. There was something that was happening during that period There was there was a change in emotion a change in heart a change in perspective and that that was a big deal for me because what started out as a perception of myself affecting me negatively It started to improve. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, that that's where I believe, honestly, that God put that desire in my heart. Um at some point I started to recruit other people to work out with me. And (laughs) which is not the easiest thing to do, because especially in a treatment facility, at least initially, right? Because there is more smoking of cigarettes that goes down in that facility because that's all you got. So you know, and eventually and at the time, mind you, let's let's back it up. You know, I definitely was smoking cigarettes there up until this point. and that's true. You're hearing it correct and and that was something that God had to work on and and cleared up but but I can remember smoking doing P90x and then getting to a point where i'll never forget being in a room there was another guy that was there and we were working out together and i always loved like mechanics i always loved like engineering i always loved like angles and like seeing things and i started to think back about like when god really planted the seed and i like even the golf swing i can remember being on the golf team And just being, like, obsessive, compulsive, which falls in line with my personality, but obsessive, compulsive about a golf swing. Like, I would just – it would just replay in my head over and over and over. That was all I would see. That was all I would think about. That would be all I would read about. Like, Angle – if you know anything about the golf swing, the nuances are ridiculous. Like, it's it's like this addiction, the golf swing, like a new mechanic, a new drill, like a new – thought a new swing thought a new placement a new club like it's it's just new 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 new. it's always evolving so even back playing high school like golf like i was always interested in mechanics and technique and all of this stuff so and i now let's fast forward back to the treatment facility i'm there working out with some guy and i'm watching him do a tricep extension knowing that he now i have no schooling at this point but i'm seeing and noticing that he's doing it wrong And I make the adjustment and I could literally remember God just feeling like he pressed on my heart a little bit right at that moment, right when I made that adjustment. Like this is kind of what's going to be happening for the next however many years. This is the next chapter of your life and this is what I feel like I want you to be doing. I can remember it clear as day. And I would say there's very few times in all reality, maybe a handful of times where I've been so confident about something like this is it, like this is it right here what you're doing right now this is it uh so going through that process i could remember standing and we went through that for a little while I started to see some progress i started to run a little bit too which made no sense because i was smoking cigarettes still um so went through that and and continue to run and continue to you know, pour into clients as they were coming in. I'm working during the day, the hardest job I've ever had, coming home, running four or five miles, and just starting to feel better, starting to get some endorphins, starting to recognize, what am I doing smoking these cigarettes? I can remember standing on the porch literally smoking a cigarette and getting a phone call from my sister who said, hey, why don't you – you know what you should do? You've been running a lot. You're at this good place in life why don't you run this half marathon? And I'm literally taking a drag of a cigarette as she's asking me this and telling me this. And I'm going, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, especially right now as I have a uh, lungs full of tobacco and carcinogens, <laughs> uh, I I think I want to do it. And I think that's what started the the, I don't want to call it an obsession, but just the, I don't know the desire to want to do things that felt crazy and the desire to want to do things that felt outside of my comfort zone and the desire to want to do things that required a different version of me to complete. I think that's probably saying it best. So that's what I did in training for it. I went out, ran a couple times, started to recognize that the smoking is probably not going to help me set a PR. Uh, So it was a Disneyland marathon. It was in California I started to train for it. And I'm like, how do I – I had to look it up like, okay, let's Google like how long is a half marathon. was like, oh, my gosh, 13.2 miles. That is about 10 miles longer or 11 miles longer than I've ever ran. So I, I can remember going out at my mom's house and running as hard as I can for four miles, eight minutes per mile. I'll never forget. It was 32 and some change because that was my mindset then was just like, you know, let's go. And I almost felt like I was going to have a heart attack afterwards. It was 32 minutes and some change. And I can remember calling her going, I don't think this is going to work because I just did four miles and I got 9.2 more of these. I don't know about all that. But that was a big moment for me because that was the first time that I – had really put my mind to something and saw the benefit into the struggle and the benefit into doing something that makes you really, really uncomfortable. And I started, it really, I don't want you to use the word callous, but it started to toughen me up a little bit. And if there was one thing I would say that encompasses going through this whole process that I still rely on today, it would be the fact of saying, you know once god shows up in certain ways in your life and mind you this is a work in progress even today so i never want to come off like oh i got it whipped like i got this thing it's it's never that it's it's always this this thing that has to be managed and this this personality that has to be you know properly properly managed that's the easiest thing but once you go through that stuff you start to go well listen I mean, if God can do that in my life and I can get through that, what else can I do? That's that's the train of thought. And what's crazy about that is that's what we do here now, which is like, oh, man, it's that context. It's that thing where you do more weight than you've ever chest pressed. And then you go, well, if I could do that, what else can I do? You run a two-mile race and you go, oh, or, a, or like a 5K. And you go, oh, man, if I can do that and I didn't think I could do that. It gives you confidence for that next chapter of life, so it starts to snowball, and it does require a risk. It requires you, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone. But when you do that, it builds your faith, and then it gives you hope, and then it, you know, uh, that was actually a diagram by a by a, a really cool guy that was at the at the the treatment facility, and he used to bring it out. And it was like risk, hope, faith changed i can't recall the order of them but it was like take a risk um and it it will build your faith and then uh it will give you hope and then it it just it was it was awesome right and it would just kind of put anyway i think i just butchered that by the way but in any case it was like you did this one thing and you got a bunch of confidence from it now use it to to you know parlay that into the next thing so this was the first time that it happened And I started to recognize that. So let's fast forward 2012 now. Run the half marathon. I complete it. It's a great feeling, right? I I, I don't know if I had that feeling at the finish line like this is the most amazing thing ever, even though it was at Disneyland. But there was this overwhelming sense, especially in the days after, where it felt very – I started to build confidence from it. And it felt very – I don't know. Again, just – one of those snowball things. What else can I do? And, you know, thank God for some of the people that were in my life at that point that would would see potential and spur me to want to do more. And that was a great lesson for me also, which is make sure that the people around you can see some of your potential, maybe that you don't see, and are able to push you towards it. Um, And not the opposite. Uh, If you have a big dream and you have something that you want to do that may feel crazy, get around some people that are going to line up. Now, if it's delusional, that's different. If I came to some of my good friends, my core board of director type of friends, go, hey, I think I'm going to try out for the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to be the center. Dale, you're insane. Okay, that's stupid. That's delusional. That's crazy. You know, but if it's something that is that you can do, and it's definitely doable, but it requires a different version, and not only a different version, but a different sacrifice, a different investment, then you know those are the people that you want to surround yourself with. So let's keep going. 2012, boom, uh, set up and uh, decided that through all of this, through all of these changes that were taking place in my own life um it it afforded me the opportunity to be able to share that I wanted to share all of everything that had happened from 2010 to 2012 it's like oh my gosh like I started you know investing time and, and by the way this was not a whole investment on Dale's part like you're talking about people sacrificing and investing to put you in that position and that's something I'll never forget like the investment that your family makes, or the investment that your friends make, or the investment that this person or that person makes, like that's something you cannot discount. Because without those things, you you probably wouldn't be in the same position that you're in today. So that I'm very grateful for. Um, recognizing that you know, through hard work, through dedication, through surrounding yourself with the right people, through starting to be honest about your circ- your circumstances, and starting to allow other people to speak into your life, and starting to you know work on some of the lies that you're telling yourself, and some of the the crap that you have going on. Starting to recognize how to set boundaries. Starting to recognize what does purpose look like. Starting to recognize you know direction for your life, and starting to allow God to speak to you. Um, it it just shows up in, in crazy ways. And now, going through all of that, 2012, getting to a position where I wanted to start helping other people go through the same. And I see that a lot, actually, being eight years in now, is a lot of people get into this industry because of experience that they've had. And I think that's amazing. The one thing that I would tell you that actually works well with that experience is the education because the passion will only get you so far but if you have that passion plus you know what you're talking about and you continue to learn that creates a really really cool dynamic for any client that you work with and and you'll do really well in this industry if you have those two pieces um so wanting to share that with other people i started on the educational side and i started to share Uh, or excuse me, I started to work on a certification. And again, a sacrifice by someone pouring into me at that point in my life. And that's what I'm eternally grateful for. So giving me an opportunity to be able, um, I can remember, I mean, from Fit Lorenzo, which our facility was named Fit Lorenzo. We're now live training center again, 1731, 12th Street East, Palmetto, Florida. That's where we're rooted out of. Uh, And we... We love what we do here, but it was once called Fit Lorenzo, and I remember showing up. I was here for a couple of weeks, and I started the certifications on the backside, and then I remember walking to the owner and saying, hey, this is where I'm at, and this is what I'm trying to do. If you ever have any internships open up, then uh, I would love to be a part of it, and that's exactly what happened, so 2012. I can remember shadowing my first class. I was so scared. And, you know, I think I may have learned more during the first couple of months than I had the entire certification that I received. Uh, Experience is so much. You know, experience is so much. Like an education, you need, you do. You need both pieces. And like I just said, experience, education, passion, like you combine all of those, that's a great, great combination. But you can really learn a lot just by being thrown to the fire a little bit. And that's kind of what I felt like. And that was in 2012. And again, now it's 2020, and seven years have gone by. And uh, what an amazing ride. What an amazing group of people that um, I get to be a part of, get to be a part of, opportunity to be a part of. um, And sharing with those clients when it's applicable you know what my story is so that one day hopefully someone can say hey because of you blah 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 like we see that post and it's weird to say i i didn't go through it so that other people could be inspired but i think it's like a it's a thing you have in your back pocket like it's this thing that you can use that god can use if by just sharing this story, one person is like, "You know what? maybe I can change my life right now, then it's all worth it. It's all worth it because what happens is going through all of that and <clears throat> now being the owner of a business and having eight or ten coaches and having a system in place and having you know a community of people and being having the opportunity to pour into other clients the way that I was poured into, is something I'll never take for granted. I hope I never take it for granted because it's unbelievable opportunity. And I sit down with clients all the time and going through those things in my life give me context and it allows me to relate to them and it allows them to feel comfortable around me and it allows me to have empathy for what they're going through and it allows me to understand the compulsive behavior that is overeating um, or not being able to set boundaries around what you need to do versus what you want to do temporarily because that's a lot of addiction too. And that's a lot of you know having any problem with any one habit or behavior is that you just feel like despite what you want, right? I know I need to eat healthy. I know I need to exercise, but there's always something that comes up. Maybe it's a circumstance or maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's just this thing that keeps happening. And for whatever reason, we're just not putting priority around our long-term goal. We're getting wrapped up in how I feel right now. You know, that's something that we used to call, we still call playing the tape all the way through. If I have a crappy day and an emotion And I start, my brain starts to go in this space, well, you know how you can take care of that emotion. You have to play the tape all the way through. What is that, what is the result of that behavior going to be in the long term, not just right now? And what is that, what is the effect going to be on that behavior? And how's that gonna affect my overall life and my children's life and my business life and my, my wife and, you know, all of these things? Like, how is that all going to be affected? So everything, I won't say everything. There's a lot of things that happen here that are a result of having gone through that. And there's a lot of client interactions that I have that I don't know if I would be able to have without the context and perspective that going through that in my life has afforded me the opportunity to now do. And i it was all part of the story. It was all part of it. I don't know if there would be a live – let me just go further. There wouldn't be a live training center with any of that, without any of that. That's crazy to say out loud. Like there wouldn't be a live training center without that. So that's, you know, every setback, and I don't mean to be just searching for cliches, but this is the one that came to mind. The setback that you're in right now listening to this could be your setup. However big that liability feels, however big all of this feels right now, it could be your setup for the next chapter of your life. And again, uh, if you are going through anything or you have anyone, feel free to reach out to me um, or anyone that you know can help you through this maybe a family member um if you don't feel like that is you know who can help you through it then by all means like send an email send a message to me on facebook call the office like whatever you need to do and you know hopefully we can give you some direction but let's let's go even further right let's say no matter what you're in right now you can't stop eating a certain way or You can't get to exercising, or you're in a relationship that you shouldn't be in, or, you know, there's just things in your life that you want to change. You can change them. Sometimes it just requires getting around some people who got your back and who want to support you. And it's going to take doing something that you've never done before, but it's worth it. And you never know what God will do with that one situation that you may have and and how he can use it to you know for his glory to shine through and to be able to help people in any walk of life be that with nutrition be it with weight loss be it with you know emotional distress be it with whatever and now we have the opportunity to teach 40 or 50 classes per week we have a nutrition program that i developed Um, and I say I developed, I mean, it's not, I'm not in a lab like, you know, pouring smoking fluids into beakers. It's just coming up with a systematic, simple approach and managing behaviors and expectations Dale, Like how did you even come up? This nutrition program is so much more in depth than I thought it was. Can you just give me a meal plan? It's all rooted in that the last 40 minutes. It's all rooted in understanding the behaviors and understanding that You know, maybe the same thought process that leads someone to go to a bar is a similar process that leads someone to go to the refrigerator. Come on, that'll preach. A lot of it is the same. It's the compulsive behavior. And now we have the opportunity to be, not always, by the way, it's not a one size fits all, but it gives me context. And we're able to share that with people, and they're able to see that they're capable of so much more than they give themselves credit for. So, um, if this boards you, I apologize. I'm sure we'll get back to racing next couple episodes. But this is the roots of it all. I think it's important to understand origin and understand the why, and understand the what and the how and the what. Where did it come from? And so, you know, I hope you guys got a lot out of this and we'll be back to racing we'll be back to talking about obstacle course racing but again this is who we are this is who i am this is what we're about and this is why we're about it i want to tell you i get it whatever you're going through right now i get it you know we have the opportunity to still be in contact with that treatment facility program my wife and i and um, we are still in contact with many people who are struggling with these things today and you know we're able to resource families and we're able to resource uh, individuals to try and give them the opportunities that we were given, and I think that's what it's about. You can only keep what you have by giving it away. And by the way, if you're you've lost a lot of weight or you've gone through the program and you know you've found this new way of eating and this new way of living and this healthier mindset to have, like share it with others. You want to keep it fresh. You want to help yourself. You want to stay in the game. You want to keep your head in it like that's a great way to do it it's also a reminder of the basics so i hope you guys got out a, a lot out of this appreciate you guys man each and every one of you that listened we're now on spotify we're not on itunes make sure that you click the subscribe button on either spotify itunes leave us a review if you like what you heard and uh, we'll be back very very soon with episode four but for now This is uh, Coach Dale, Dale Lively, uh, signing off. Episode 3, Live State of Mind. Go be great.